Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, a podcast that is ostensibly about video game movies. This is episode 112. My name is Mark Champlin, and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. <sighs> How is it going, girls and gays? I, Mark? Mark? <laughs> yes. I love films, Mark. <laughs> I I do too. Um, and it's I like been a to minute watch since movies. I, since I've seen a film, I would say. <laughs> Something that I'd call a film. Often. Often I forget about this. Often I think I hate films. <laughs> yeah, uh, Often I think to myself while while sitting down for for the weekly challenge. Mm-hmm. I I think to myself I don't like movies. <laughs> you can listen to us in real time hate movies more and more if you listen to that Resident Evil. Uh, great, <laughs> yeah, that's all true. six Resident Evil episodes in a row episode. Yeah, by the end we were like I think maybe making films is actually a crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, unfortunate, but unfortunately, I'm here to report that uh, movies are good. Actually, um, I love sets and costumes. I love I love visual storytelling that is communicated through the framing of the of the shots. I like I love narratives and and characters that have motivations and arcs. I love when two characters are in a dire scenario together and then they briefly tell each other about their families for a bit and we learn a little bit more about those characters and their lives and we grow to care about them a little bit more before they die. What a concept! What um, a fucking concept. Uh, yeah, like, really, though, um, I think that this movie is uh, just good. Like, it's good. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's definitely good. Um, like, it's solid. Uh, it has its problems, but I like it. Uh, but in terms of this podcast, that's, like, that's fucking incredible. Five stars. The characters yes. made sense. I understood <laughs> what was going on in the movie. It what didn't make me motion sick to look at. Good job, everybody! You did it. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is easily an S tier cartridge cinema club. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, like maybe the best movie, like possibly with a bullet point. Besides, like the other like real movies we've watched. Yeah, like the and like all of it. You know, this is what we do when we need a break <laughs> on this podcast. Yes, is we we precisely. pull from the list of films that are just about video games and that's how we get to watch like tron and war games and the last starfighter uh and those tend to be a lot better (laughs) than the video game adaptations although sometimes you end up with a gamer 2009 scenario so it's not always a surefire uh shot at success but boy i sure do love uh 80s and 90s uh sci-fi films uh so let's 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 get into it because i think we have quite a bit to talk about this week um what did we watch this week, Mark? This week we watched The Last Starfighter. Uh, it's a 1984 American space opera uh, directed by Nick Castle. Uh, the film tells the story of Alex Rogan, uh, who's played by Lance Guest, uh, a teenager recruited by an alien defense force uh, to fight in an interstellar war. It also features Robert Preston, Dan O'Hearley, Catherine Mary Stewart, Norman Snow, K.E. Cutler, um, I don't know much of these people, but they all look hella 80s, and I'm sure they were in. I'm sure they were famous. I'm sure in 1984 this was a star-studded cast, but you know. Yeah. Um, the the last Starfighter, uh, along with Disney's Tron, which we also watched for the podcast and very much enjoyed, uh, has the distinction of being one of cinema's earliest films to use extensive real-life CGI 
uh, to depict its many starships, environments, and battle scenes with varying success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um. Well, we're going to talk about that quite a bit. Yeah. So let's uh, let's let's run through the plot pretty quick. The pl- a lot happens in this movie actually, but like the basic gist of it is pretty simple. So mm-hmm. so so Alex like Rogan, the best movies. Yeah yeah. Um, Alex Rogan is is fresh out of high school. Um, he has lived at this trailer park uh for his entire life uh and he's sort of like kind of like the local handyman a little bit um and he he spends a lot of the first act uh bragging about how he's too good for this place uh and he's gonna get the fuck out of here uh and then he gets rejected from his dream college (laughs) um so he uh decides to uh refocus and put all of his energy into his gaming career (laughs) instead (laughs) Um, and by that, I mean, he's gonna, he, he's gonna play a lot of the, the sci-fi arcade game that's sitting outside the mini mart. Um, and it, and it turns out after he gets a million points, uh, that the arcade machine is actually, uh, a recruiting tool. So, and so, so, so a man shows up in a DeLorean, uh, this guy's name is Centauri and he's sort of this absolutely fucking absurd mentor character. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Alex gets recruited, uh, and has to go do the Star Wars, um, and really takes the whole thing in stride, this guy, to be honest. Doesn't, <laughs> re- <laughs> doesn't really seem to phase him too much. Um, and right. yeah, like I said, it's kind of a dense film. It's like an hour and 40 minutes, but a lot happens in it, but that's kind of the, the basic gist of it. He goes to space, he, he refuses the call for a while. Like, it's a good hour into the movie before he's like, okay, fine, I'm gonna be go become a fighter pilot. Uh, and you know, and then he goes and, and then he goes and does that. And then a lot of other stuff happens. So we're going to get into that. Mark, what were your general thoughts on the last Starfighter? Wouldn't it be funny if we found out that like, this was the reason why Valorant exists too. And like Riot is. <laughs> what? Riot is like creating like soldiers. Oh, <laughs> recruiting, like... recruiting soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like that would be the one. I don't know. It just yeah. It, I mean, it, if it's gonna be any company, it's gonna be fucking Riot. It's gonna be Riot uh, to fight, uh, creating soldiers to fight a cyber war, and it just feels like that game just feels astroturfed into our lives the way that I don't know. Anyway, people don't um, actually play Valorant. You you don't know anyone who actually plays Valorant. You have friends no. and friends who play Valorant. It's exactly. You, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So yeah. So broadly, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I wanted to, to say, I just thought of this as you were talking, um, how weird it is to finally watch this movie after having seen the Red Letter Media review of The Phantom Menace so many times. <laughs> and this is the movie that, that he uses as an example of like, as of like, okay, you need in a basic sci-fi movie or fantasy movie, you need a fish out of water protagonist. You need to watch the bad guys do something bad, and so we don't like them. Yeah, when you when you watch the movie, you understand why he did that because this is like the most by the numbers hero's journey yes. film I think I've ever seen. It hits every single mark. Yeah, refusing the call, uh, meeting with the master. It does the it does yes. the whole fucking that all happens in the last Starfighter. It's um, perfect, and it fucking yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was just funny to, to finally... Like, I didn't know what movie that was. And then as soon as I saw the main character, I was like, oh, it's going to be this one. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, so obviously, uh, like they mentioned in that review, this all works perfectly in the original Star Wars movie. And this movie does try real fucking hard to be the original Star Wars movie. And it does... <laughs> 
at least a very good job of being Star Wars. Uh, notably better than like most of the Star Wars movies do at <laughs> yeah. being Star Wars. Um, and so, yeah, I enjoyed it um, just as someone who enjoys a really um, just just some just a popcorn sci-fi movie, especially yeah. um, the fact that this movie was also very pretty to look at. But particularly, um, it was pretty to look at in the shots that take place on Earth, like in the trailer park. I mm-hmm. think you uh, mentioned this, too, where just like there's certain shots that are really striking, like like him, like standing in front of the arcade machine and playing with a big wide angle that shows like the blinking starlight in sign. Yeah, the way that they frame a lot of the wide shots at the beginning of the film where it's like this vast expanse of space. uh hmm stretching out from a good portion of, you know, the rule of thirds, you know, and right. then um, him outside at this gas station, you know, playing the arcade game. And it, it is very evocative. It, it it does capture the sort of like that loneliness. I don't know. I, I, I think there is like a lot to like here. Um, I, I think yeah. like the movie starts and like immediately I love being in the trailer park. Like uh, they, mm-hmm. they immediately it's, characters talking about how they as a community are helping each other get through the day you know like it's it's like it, the, the movie starts and you feel the way that this very small community is like moving like cl- clockwork and everybody is helping each other out um in order to just to, to to create this this space for themselves um and and the way that like that small community is framed against those huge uh space backdrops i think is really effective like it, you know the movie is willing to be subtle about things it's willing to give you that wide shot and let a small shooting star go by and not mention it and not draw attention to it you know um and yes, it, it does a lot that. of smart stuff with the cinematography like that um uh, we're gonna talk about this more uh later but yeah you know you mentioned that the, the stuff on Earth is a, is better than mm-hmm. the stuff in space. And, like, I, I really do think that this movie is at its best uh, when it's not trying to be Star Wars and when it is mm-hmm. being the small-town sci-fi story. I, I think that is the, the real strength of the film because the CG space battles look like dog shit. Yeah, they, um, they have not aged the way that even, like, the worst, like, no. sci-fi of the 2000s has aged. Yeah, and luckily, luckily most of the movie isn't that. Like, most of the yeah. movie is not the CG space battles, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know... The characters are pretty, like, mostly pretty stock in this, but it is fun to watch these actors ham their way through all of these, like, big, high-concept sci-fi scenes. Um, yeah. The, the script is just, like, full of, like, fun, little, clever character moments. Like, I really like, the, did you catch the Excalibur thing? Uh, remind me. Okay, this is what I love, because you could miss it. Um, is that, like, there's a moment where, uh, the aliens are arguing when he, like, first arrives, uh, when Alex, like, first arrives and they're, like, he still doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Um, and one of the other aliens is yelling at Centauri and Alex's mentor and being, like, did you do another Excalibur? Um, and the the implication is that, uh, the last time that they used some sort of recruiting tool to, (laughs) to get somebody, uh, to fight in their space war, it was the sword in the stone. 
Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and then, and then he says like, no, I didn't do another Excalibur. And then explains how he did it with an arcade game instead. And then he goes like, do you know how hard it was to get that thing shipped by Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just... Yeah, the, the, that Centauri character was just... Uh, just a fucking hoot like oh my god he he with his he just he looks like this like smarmy used car salesman yeah. uh and he he's just got his big like like trench coat and hat and then uh and he's <laughs> did i mention that he shows up in a delorean <laughs> yeah like a literal delorean yeah and he's like he doesn't explain anything <laughs> to alex no. at all yeah. yeah um it's yeah there's it's i like the movie but um Unfortunately, the movie was made in 1984, um, <laughs> and you know, right. uh, has a lot of problems associated with films made in 1984. Also, has a lot of problems associated with films made in 2021. But um, I think the I think the best thing for us to do here is to just talk through all of the things that we did not like <laughs> and sort of mm -hmm. get through that because a lot of it is like very immaterial to most of the film like the nice thing about this movie is that there are parts of it that suck uh but they are largely inconsequential to like the focus of the movie like the like yes the movie has bad politics uh but also it is very openly not trying to be star trek <laughs> like yeah it, it doesn't like attempt to have a seat at the table with like a legitimate political uh understanding no. of itself and therefore i feel so I feel comfortable not granting it that and just being like, okay, fun space movie. Uh, but that being said, it, you, we'd be remiss in not mentioning it. Yeah, I think one of the clearest moments of that is like near the, when they're going into the climactic battle and his uh, his his co-pilot, Grig, who is one of my favorite characters. Fantastic. Oh, he's whole, the best. Just great fucking character. Um, uh, he, he's explaining like... Um, He's explaining, like, Alex asks, like, what about all the other Starfighters? <laughs> and he's just like, oh, all of them died. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. the film just going, ah, logistics, uh, war, strategy, uh, politics, nope. One guy fighting a bunch of aliens, real simple. Don't have to worry about <laughs> about people worrying about how the movie is maybe a little fascist. Um, so, yeah. there's some little things, and then there's the bigger things. So, um, I don't like... Uh, how the only black character in the movie is like the uh, like the quintessential uh, stereotype trope of the magical black guy. Uh, like he, this is this is a Stephen King character <laughs> from a from a Stephen real, King real, book. Like, real school janitor type of like motherfucker yeah, energy like. like. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's 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 very much just the uh, the trope of the older wise black man character who has vague life advice and only exists to help the white guy out um yeah. and that's the only black character in the movie thought that sucked real bad um yeah, not good yeah not good uh, yeah you know the 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 space defense force or whatever has a huge uh diversity of uh different different face shapes and types of heads but no black people in there it's yeah it's the yeah. it's it, it's exactly i i just watched the empire strikes back uh recently like the other day and it's the same there with like their their troops like they have like alien motherfuckers but every human is like a white british dude that <laughs> yeah. they pulled off the street <laughs> yeah 
Um, yeah, broadly don't like how the movie is, uh, extreme, like, really the most extreme possible version of Great Man Theory. Like, it is yeah. just the one dude that saves the day and, and wins the war all by himself, basically. Yeah, the, the, the one white, brown-haired man from America who has <laughs> yeah. the one strategic idea that, like, hundreds of years at war none of these aliens thought of yeah and like, he alone saves the day like it's sort of like it basically is the white savior movie except the aliens are also mostly white yeah they're they're white people with costumes but you know it is it's that narrative it's it's the avatar story it's pocahontas yeah. it's that bullshit um i uh i also don't like the sort like i feel like the movie is a little confused on this it doesn't really seem to have like a clear thrust and can't believe this sci-fi action movie from 1984 doesn't have a clear uh, uh, class narrative. But it's like, like, I'm not sure if we're supposed to think that Alex is kind of a dick for thinking that he's like above the trailer park. Because in the end, he leaves and go to space because he's miserable at the trailer park and he doesn't want to and he doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. And so I guess we're supposed to assume that he is supposed to be correct about that. But I thought that was a little gross. Um, I get the feeling that the attitude and it's kind of backed up by the ending. It's like the movie basically is saying like, hey, these people are very nice and it's a very nice community despite the fact that they're poor and they live in, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, squalor. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, it's a little gross. I, I don't, like, and it sucks because I feel like they make the trailer park feel very alive. Like, it's not like, yes. oh, the trailer park is gross and, like, strictly portrayed as, like, you know, uh, something to be ashamed of for him. Like, it is shown to be a place of real community with, with real people in it that have, you know, that care about each other. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The movie yeah. is a little confused on that point, I would say. I, it, was, it was confused to the point where at the end where he has to choose to stay or go, I honestly wasn't sure if he was going to be like, you know what? My home is here. I love these people. Yeah. Because he'd been helping these people out. Uh, for the whole movie. And yeah. then, like, what he does is, like, help out, you know, the universe on a grander scale. But he's like, you know, my universe is here. And that could have been possibly a better ending than him going, you're right, fuck this place, though. Let's go <laughs> yeah, to space. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll talk about the ending yeah. a little bit more later, because I, I definitely have some more thoughts on that. Um, sure. Uh, I guess the, I mean, like, as far as other things I don't care for, like, the only other, yeah. like, Centauri, the character, kind of says some sus shit. There's a part where he refers to uh, one of the enemy alien races as dirty creatures. I didn't like that. I didn't like the part where he called Earth Medicine witch doctor stuff. Didn't like mm. that uh, very much. Mm. Um, yeah. The other big thing, and this is the part where it's like, oh, well, the movie doesn't fucking care about this. So, like, you can't, like, you don't have to... You don't have to think about the politics because the movie is not thinking about the politics. But, like, right, this is essentially a film where a guy gets brought into a political situation that he knows absolutely nothing about. Uh, the people that he is now fighting alongside are maintaining something that they call the frontier. Uh, uh, so we presume is some sort of settler colonial empire that he is now working for. Um, and the, mm -hmm. the people who are, are, are against that are, see, are just, like, a threat to the stability of the frontier. 
Um, <laughs> or it's a cool word that they wrote in the script, which yeah. we don't know. We don't know which it is because they don't explore it. Yeah, anymore. and Alex just, like, assumes that these guys are all on the up and up and it's all good uh, and just fights alongside them without any further right. questioning. Um, and the movie is just really not interested in exploring that concept any further because what the movie is interested in is sick ass aliens <laughs> yeah <laughs> which there are there are plenty of um yeah especially the, the 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 practical effects i love that um they're they like like most of the time when you see the ship flying in space it's like cgi mm -hmm. but then you see it dock and it's like and oh it's they model. did build a prop of this there's sets ship. in this movie okay yeah there's like sets. so this is, um, this was kind of a fucked up movie to watch because I think there is like some, yeah. there is like a meta dramatic irony happening with this film where it's like, it's like an artifact that has now become like a parody of the type of films that we now see. <laughs> like it's like, it, it really it, is. It is. It's like, it's like a twisted reflection of filmmaking in the 21st century um, because it's not Attack of the Clones, right? There are sets in this film. There are costumes and puppets. The f the costumes, oh my god. Like, every single alien in this movie looks different. They're all from, like, they're all recruited from different places, and they all have wildly different designs, and they're all just mm -hmm. big rubber heads that look so good on camera. It's just, like... It's it's fucking incredible. The part, oh my god, dude, the part. We're gonna talk about the part where uh, he has a clone uh, later in this episode, but briefly, the first time that you see the clone, and he oh, when lifts, they lift the sheet, he lifts the sheet up, and it's this like oh yeah, pale white human like looking thing, and its skin is like breathing, in and out. D it's like translucent, like the back of a GameCube controller, and you can like see the circuitry kind of and it's... blinking lights in his face with just this, this gross like skin growing on top of it. And it's a it's it's a puppet, you know. Yeah, and, it's and, like it's not CD because CG was not capable of this at the time because you because because the CG parts of this movie look like fucking PlayStation One cutscenes. <laughs> like, Literally, yeah, they they, they look, look so they... bad. <laughs> They look like that fucking Inca people, like, <laughs> like intro, like it's a fucking like like CD-ROM game from the it's from the very Windows early nineties. Windows ninety eight screensaver ass looking yeah. movie, like okay, yeah. you know, like in Tron, right? In Tron, they're like leaning into the textureless nature of this early CG. Like they're yeah, they because get it's away taking place it. in a computer, it's supposed yeah. to be sort of eerie and flat and not right. In this movie, it just looks like shit. Um, yeah, they're they're trying to depict things that yeah. exist in our 3D realm that we live in, and it just ooh, it doesn't. It's work. bad. Yeah, and no. it, and, it, and it's like this. It's like this beautiful demonstration of how incredible these practical costumes and puppets and sets are and how much better they look than the CG. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like an exaggeration <laughs> of how, like this film is like, is like a parody of how I actually feel, <laughs> you know, yeah, where seriously. it's like, like, it's like, no, like I really do genuinely believe that we have fundamentally lost something in filmmaking. Um, 
Like, you mm-hmm. know, like I mentioned Attack of the Clones earlier. Like, that is where it gets to the point where it's like, like, Phantom Menace and then Attack of the Clones is where it gets to the point where it's like, oh, we don't need to have a set anymore. We don't need to have anything. We just need a big green room and some people in it. And pretty soon they're not going to need the people in it either. You know? And, like, we have completely... Mm-hmm. Like, th- it, this is just an art form that has just died in our lifetimes. I think that's something that's, like, really tragic for us is that we're you know as like 25 ish year olds it's like yeah this went away in the time that i have been alive like in 1995 when i was born they still Mm -hmm. made movies and now they don't really make movies anymore like this when you when you see in a movie like nowadays when you see like a car explode like no car was harmed in the making of that movie. Like they used to have to blow up a real car. Yeah, <laughs> they the used Dark to have Knight? to topple. God, that was like one to... of the last ones. That was oh, like and it they looks... flipped a truck over to make that movie. <laughs> the Dark Knight. You like like shitty politics aside. That's a whole episode. But the Dark Knight. Watch it if you watch it today. It looks in fucking incredible. No modern blockbuster from like the late 2000s looks as good or holds up as well because they fucking got a bunch of helicopters flew them up and filmed chicago and then filmed a bunch of cars blowing up it was amazing and yeah they, they just don't do that anymore there's no there's like a sense of risk involved like fuck we have like one chance to get this shot and that that captures an energy. I think we've probably like mentioned this on the podcast before. I mean, we, we talk about this shit all the time, but like there's an energy that is captured when you're like capturing like a frenetic, like moment in time. And you're not just like filming a person doing 12 takes uh, in front of a blue screen and then using the composite of the best takes of those and putting all the, all the things in behind them. It just, there's no energy there. It's 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 hard to describe, but watch this and then <laughs> watch. We'll get to it next week. Watch this and then watch the Star Wars prequels and like, you'll see. I don't know, man. Like I like I will straight up say like I think that the Last Starfighter is an infinitely better looking film than like Thor Ragnarok or whatever the fuck. Like mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. Like, I mean, and, and like sure, obviously they the can't, CG, they can't do uh, as yeah. much. You know, no. not as much can happen in the last Starfighter as like in Thor Ragnarok, where literally fucking anything can happen, right? Literally, the, their entire planet explodes, and like a goddess from the underworld like gets burned to death, and they, they, and like you feel nothing when you watch it. Like I like Thor Ragnarok too, like, but in this movie, <laughs> an arcade cabinet starts shaking around on a porch, and it's magical yeah and it's like fuck like wow that thing's really shaking around and lighting up wow that's really that would scare the shit out of me i feel it because it is a physical object moving around in front of the camera the delorean arrives and like his hair blows back and the headlights like zoom in onto him because like they drove a real car yeah and he's like standing he's like sitting behind the neon sign like they they held a big fan up to his face it, you know, they because you know they did that shit, and that was a real thing. They had yeah. to film. It, God, it's it it was it, it's like rough because like it's so funny seeing because the CG is so bad in this movie, and it's like mm-hmm. it's just like oh god, like this was the this was the this was one of the first ones, and this was this is this is where it all began. This is where it all George started Lucas, to unravel. 
George Lucas watched the last Starfighter and he said, you know, I think in about 10 years, I'm going to do a better job at that. <laughs> And, and then he did. And he did. <laughs> well, well um, the ships look better, sure, sure. But at what cost? At what, at what cost? cost? At the cost of Yoda. Um. All right. Yep. So I think we've I think we've uh, spent enough time being boobers on this episode. Seriously. Um, I would like to talk about the clone subplot of this movie, which uh, God, I had no idea this was going to happen. I didn't this, know this, this was part. in this no movie. No one talks. No one talks about yeah. this, and it's the it's the best part of the movie. Yeah, like by far, this is character. the coolest thing in the movie. Yeah, okay, so, like this, this could have been its own film, and it's like it's like yeah. a subplot that maybe takes up about twenty minutes of this movie. Um, it's okay. So we already ta- kind of talked about how this is first introduced. Like, he gets ab- Alex gets abducted, and then left behind. Uh, his you know his family just assumes that he's depressed because he's sad about not getting into the college that he wanted to and so he's just sitting under his blankets and then at one point his little brother pulls up the blankets and we see that pulsating weird puppet thing um and then we don't hear about that subplot again for like 30 minutes of the movie and we're just it's just alex in space dealing with that bullshit and then the next time it's hinted at, it's like Alex comes back to Earth because he's refused the call. He's he's decided he doesn't want to be a fu- fighter pilot. Um, and he runs into his girlfriend, and his girlfriend slaps him. And she was like, "What the fuck did what were you What did you say to me last night?" <laughs> like she's like angry at him, and he's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And there was a moment where I was like, "Did I miss a scene? Did I skip something?" And then I was like, "Oh, he's been replaced. Oh fuck. Oh, that's right. Oh fuck. Yep. Um." And he goes and he meets his clone. And it's so good because it's like, it's like, it's just like a shitty day job to him. Like, he's yes. just like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta be you while you're going and saving the world. It's, it's, yeah. And it's like, it's so incredible because Lance Guest is so much better at being the clone than he is at being the protagonist of this movie. <laughs> because he's playing both of them yeah it's it's so true he he exudes this like wonderful like personality like like where he it's a shitty day job to him but he still like demands to be respected for it like so like he's like oh so you're a robot and he's like excuse me i am a beta unit this is my i'm a beta (laughs) yeah i'm i'm a beta unit i've i was built to do this this and this and his piece basically like i went to school for this and and he has this this amazing he just does so good and um (laughs) the the way that he's like yeah he's trying to learn like how to be how to act like a human and he's like doing a shitty job he's just like and he's just like well, oh fuck this it's, and it's then... crazy because like it, it because like lance guest is so wooden at like i think like lance guest yeah. is like kind of like at, at the first 30 minutes of the movie he feels like a weak link in the cast because sure. he's playing opposite like robert preston as as centauri his like goofy mentor character who is just like chewing the scenery just loving it being ridiculous mm-hmm. just hamming it up and like like and he, he's just kind of playing him opposite as just like like a dull meathead who's just kind of like not super interested in things that are going on he's just like kind of giving him wood back you know like just not giving a yeah. lot of juice to the performance but then he has to be the awkward clone mm-hmm. and it's like oh <laughs> Well, I, 
I guess I understand how this casting happened because he's yeah. perfect as the awkward wooden clone. And he's so good in um, maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie was him in the bedroom arguing with his clone self and his little brother keeps waking up and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and like both himself and the clone at one point say, it's a dream, go to sleep kid or, or, or whatever. And, but they both say it in such different ways that you can like really tell they're two different characters. Yeah. And he, he, he's such a good foil for himself yeah. that it's just like, you know, it takes like a, like a legitimately good actor to like make that scene work. Yeah, it, it really does make you wish that this was more of the film because I think it actually because it, it is just a subplot, um, and I don't and I yeah. think it's the most interesting th idea the movie has. Um, it would have been a better film, possibly a more popular film. I don't know. It just it works so well, and it, yeah. it's it's like shocking. The, the moments where like he is like trying to respond to like the part. Okay, there's a part where like. He, like, because he has to go and be Alex every day. So he has to go and hang out with Alex's friends. And they're, like, hanging out in the back of a pickup truck driving to the lake. And everybody else is, like, laughing at a joke. And he's, like, completely stoic. And his girlfriend is, like, hey, shouldn't you be laughing right now? Like, hey, what's wrong, man? Like, are you okay? And then he, like, tries to laugh. And it's just, like, extremely uncanny. Um, Like, all of that stuff is really effective. Because, like, to me it doesn't feel like the joke is like he's struggling in a social situation so much as it's like he's right. he feels incredibly unprepared for the job that he's supposed to do because they, like it's like they he wasn't trained to hang out with teenagers as part of his protocol um i think it gets weird um, when it starts to get into, and also his girlfriend wants to have sex with him and he's uncomfortable with that. I kind I'm of... glad that they didn't go there because they just as easily could have been like her being like, wow, what was so different this time yeah, or something. It, but like, it's, that uh, would have been this, weird. this, the, the story started going in this direction and I like tensed up and then the way that it kind of works out, like, okay, you know, the... His discomfort with sexuality being portrayed as something that an alien would do, I think not, I don't love that. I think that's a little uncomfortable in a lot of ways, which should be obvious to all of our listeners, so I won't dig into that. Um, right. But I, so there's a scene where they've gone up to the lake with all their friends. It's like late and he's in like a sleeping bag next to his girlfriend or, his, you know, not his girlfriend, Alex's girlfriend, right? right. Um, and, you know, his girlfriend has been getting, like, increasingly pissed at him over the course of, like, this trip. Um, and he's trying to figure out how to approach, like, romance and sex. And he overhears one of the other couples... Okay, uh, trigger warning for, like, sort of a sexual assault scene here. Because basically what happens is, like, we, we, uh, he overhears a boyfriend pressuring a girlfriend into sex. And so he tries to say the exact same things that that guy said to Alex's girlfriend. And I was like, oh, God. Where is this going? Um, and where it goes is that he gets slapped for it. 
um, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah. So this, like, I, I don't know. This scene is very weird, and I don't feel like the film gives you enough context to understand what its take on the scene is. Um, <laughs> but to me, yeah, even though, regardless of the intent of the scene, what they basically have here is a scene where a, uh, he tries to follow along with what a creepy uh, dude who is uh, pushing on his girlfriend's consent is doing uh, and is rebuked for it. So I guess it kind of comes out all right. I don't know. Really weird moment in the movie. Yeah, I honestly really was expecting him to, like, have to have sex with her and then she, like, be, like, impressed or something and being or being, like... Like wow, you were like a machine. Yeah. I could just feel that. I could feel that coming, and I was like, "It's oh, not." Yeah, don't. it's not that. Like overall, I the, would say, yeah. as I, that scene is weird, and I don't think that it was necessary at all, and it's very out of place in the film um, tonally. I think, but I where it ends up is f- not the worst. Totally. It could have been a lot worse. Um, and then I love it because immediately after that, he's just like. Fuck it. Yeah, no, I'm not the guy. <laughs> like, yeah, the the the. He's like, okay, I I can't. He's like, I sense that I fucked up beyond reason. Prepare. I sense yeah. that I fucked up beyond a reasonable ability to lie, and or I'm gonna ruin Alex's relationship. So here's so it's time to to yeah, just come that, clean. That moment is fantastic because there's no like it. there's no like building music and then a zoom in. He's just like, yeah, no, I'm not the guy. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry for lying to you. And then he gets <laughs> shot immediately. <laughs> yeah, he he gets his moment, you know. Um the 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 clone, the clone's my favorite character just because like he you know, no, I feel like lots of films with this type of character wouldn't give him an arc, but he totally gets an he has, arc. He has like, a complete he, he, arc. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he sacrifices himself um uh so that the aliens will think that that the real Alex is dead while the real Alex is planning like a surprise attack on the armada. Yeah. And, when that um, happened, like when yeah. he drove, when he drove the car into the other aliens and exploded it to make them think that he was dead. I was just like, Oh yeah, of course. Like it was like, Oh yeah. Brilliant. Like, duh. Why didn't I think of like, of course that's how this wraps Smart. up. He tricks them yep. into thinking that like, duh. Like, and that's kind of like one of those moments in this movie where it's just like, yeah, they really like, you know, as much as like the, it's a very corny, goofy movie. Like it's the script is smart in a lot of spots where it the the plotting is actually quite good and and very clever in a lot of spaces like that. I I, I don't yeah, know. I, kind of a good movie. <laughs> I don't I don't mind tropes, and I hate let like. Like in like 2021 movie critique is so often like I noticed a trope and therefore the movie is <laughs> bad. I'm like, no, like tropes exist for a reason. And like, it's all about the execution. And this movie has like near flawless execution of its, albeit very simple uh, sci-fi and fantasy tropes. It, yeah. it, 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 it does a damn good job. <laughs> like, I would say that it, like, it doesn't even really like stick the landing that well thematically. Like, I wouldn't say there's like a really, there, there really isn't like a strong, like, like sort of meta narrative thrust to this. Um, Mm-mm. it really is just like, watch these characters get put into these wacky situations and yeah. we're going to write some good text. dialogue for them. Yeah, yeah. like, it, it really is just the characters. Like, 
because because the ending is bullshit. <laughs> I thought. Yeah, I mean, I I I I kind of blew my load early early on when I described my better ending of this, but it pretty much is that like like he the the, the girl goes with him to space. And, like, leaves behind her, like, perfectly happy life where she, like, takes care of her grandma. And the only justification is her grandma being, like, make sure you're right. I guess I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it really sucks. I, they, I think what they do here is that they drag on the denouement for, like, ten minutes. Like, there's this yeah. whole scene of him coming down in the ship and, like, saying goodbye to his family and all of this stuff. And it's, like... They spend so much time in it that you have time to realize how stupid it is. You know, like you have time <laughs> yeah, to sit there. I know there. what you mean. Yeah, like you have time to sit there and be like, why is he going to space? Like, I get that he doesn't like living at the trailer park, but like, why would he do that when he has, when the film, a lot of, like, like one of the strongest emotional moments in the film was him sharing like sharing stories about his family with his co-pilot Grig, who is an alien who also has a family, but he describes his family as like, he shows his wife that also looks like a scary alien lizard. And then like talks about how they have 6,000 children and like, it works like that moment works, yeah. but then the movie and, and like, so that, that feels like kind of like an emotional core that happens like right before the climax. And then it just feels like it's building toward him, like staying with his family. <laughs> yeah. And then he does it. And then, his girlfriend, like, ladies, girls and gays, doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. Listen, you, you gotta, you gotta give up on your high school boyfriend. <laughs> I know, listen, I know it feels bad to go into, to go into college, uh, with, with not knowing anybody. And I know that, you know, you really feel like you're going to make it work and he's going to somewhere in NorCal and you're all the way over in fucking Texas or something. And you're like, yeah, it's going to be fine. We're going to see each other over break and it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. Okay, sweetie. You need to break up with him no matter how sweet he is. He's probably not that sweet. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to not say anything. Don't right go here. to space with your high school boyfriend. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> If 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 go to space is a stand-in here for get married to your high school partner, mm -hmm. I'm gonna also say don't do that. I'm gonna not say for any particular reason, <laughs> but I don't know why you would know anything about that, Mark. Uh, <laughs> um, we're, wow, we're running pretty long on this. Uh, is but, there anything else yeah. that you would like to say about the last Starfighter before we um, move it's on? one of the only movies that we've watched for this podcast that I would recommend. Uh, watching and think saying that you could be completely sober while doing it and yeah. it would still be a good time. It'd be a good time. Uh, yeah. With, like with if you're just looking for like a good kind of afternoon, like goofy blockbuster sci-fi movie, this is a really solid one. Like it has yeah, it's, its moments it's, that it's, are bad, but yeah. it's, it's a fun time. I think, had a good time like, watching it. <laughs> think of like prime Spielberg and like, maybe like a little bit campier and like less well executed than that. But with still some like, Spielbergian like moments. It's, it has that charm. It's good. Yeah, it has it's that good. charm and that like clever touch of like like moments and scenes where a character says something and you're like, ha, that was I get it. Good one. You know, it's got it's got that. Um yeah. I think that's I think that's it. Um so now uh 
Oh boy, we really gotta. Uh, we really have. We really have some explaining to do here. Um, yeah, we we debated we debated this over the course of days, and um, kind of at the beginning of our recording today was our <laughs> let's just fucking do it. You guys moment. can be mad um, at us if you want, and my and I and you know what? I don't care. Um, yeah. So what are we gonna watch next week, Mark? <laughs> so um, I am to understand that there is a documentary on Disney Plus uh, or the internet. I think it's on the YouTube, uh, like the, the official YouTube channel as well. Oh, that's cool. That's good. I mean, yeah. I already have a Disney Plus subscription. I hate that I'm for watching, you. I'm watching the Clone Wars. You can. It's kind of the Clone good, Wars. <laughs> but mostly, mostly it's for babies, and I don't know. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so we're watching. Uh, the beginning, colon, making episode one. It's a 2001 documentary about the making of The Phantom Menace. Now, we're going to briefly explain... Now, you're probably explain... sitting there thinking to yourself, why <laughs> the fuck are you guys watching a documentary about the making of The Phantom Menace on your well, video as... game movie podcast? <laughs> God. Um, as we hinted in this podcast, we're both boomers, mm-hmm. and uh, we talked about this uh, extensively, it's just important. This is important lore for Cartridge Cinema Club. It will explain kind of the way that we are and largely like the way we look at movies and the things we like about them. This, The Phantom Menace was the er, bad, fully CGI movie, which for this, the purposes of this podcast, we've seen like 67 of. <laughs> um, yeah. This is, this, George Lucas alone and the yes men around him who wouldn't challenge his terrible ideas are responsible for the way that movies are. I mean, it was going to happen eventually, but goddamn if George Lucas didn't like pick up the shovel and start digging. Yeah, like and this <laughs> for yeah, for that purpose it's important for the podcast to cover this even though it falls outside of our jurisdiction. Absolutely. We'll like <laughs> this is this is this is important this is the scene of the crime for Cartridge yeah. Cinema Club in a lot of ways. Precisely. Because, and my understanding is that this this film is sort of more knowing than you would ever expect a film like this to be in that it's a film <laughs> that is has been made in the wake of the massive critical backlash to The Phantom Menace. So it's a film that knows that the film that it is about the making of is a bit of a farce um and i think that you know uh as an artifact of the you know that style of filmmaking which has become inescapable um and as well as like an artifact of uh something that's like really uh fascinating to me uh which is like large-scale catastrophic creative failure like (laughs) when yeah. Everything when all the money in the world and all the time and all the talent and every and just all of these resources go into something that just ends up sucking shit, shit sucking shit so bad. It's it's it, interesting to me in the same way that like art from adversity is interesting. Like yeah. the the pol- the polar opposite of this is just as interesting to me. Yeah, it really is. It is it, it's the, the like the Phantom Menace is the demon opposite of 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 the of the like broke independent filmmaker that struggles against the odds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um We've really been fucking, we've been really fucking hitting along on this week. So uh, where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? 
you're welcome, first of all, fans of long episodes. <laughs> I, I know there's many of you out there, me, me being one of them. Uh, uh, fan, I'm a fan of longer than normal episodes of other podcasts. That being said, uh, you can find us on the internet at Cartridge Cinema. That's uh, our Twitter at. You can find us at Cartridge Cinema. Join the Discord. It's linked on the Twitter. Uh, you can come in there and, and uh, post memes and or complain about uh Kamala Harris, which we're going to be doing a lot of, I'm sure. Various um, inaccuracies in the podcast <laughs> that you're mad about, which happen God, every yeah, week, of course. Yeah, that I was scrolling back, and they 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 do happen every week. I, I missed I really a couple do. weeks worth. Damn. Um, you should rate us. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, iTunes and Spotify are where you can listen to us. Also on SoundCloud. Also on your favorite podcasting app. We're pretty much everywhere. And also, you should rate us. That would be cool. Um, the music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. For me, it was Tuesday. Yeah, it's just going to be another fuck cops, don't join the military. And now that they're officially our uh, oligarchs, fuck Joe Biden and fuck yeah. Kamala Harris especially. You know, I really, I don't know. Um, I don't really want to do a politics post show because I don't have a lot to talk about. It was very yep. strange because I just kind of expected this week to be way more fucked up than it was. And then it was just like normal levels of fucked up in America every week. <laughs> Uh, it was it was actually really funny because, you know, for a long time before the Capitol riots, uh, uh, the white supremacist uh, Capitol riots and break ins and stuff um, uh, uh, for a while before that, like you um, would be saying you, you would say things like talking about how like, oh, there's going to be like more like stochastic, like white supremacist terrorist action. And I would always kind of be like, yeah, probably, but like, it probably won't be a big deal. And then it was a huge deal and it was really, really bad and people died. And I was like, fuck, Alex was so right. And mm -hmm. then it was like, well, what the fuck's going to happen on inauguration day? It's going to be worse. And then nothing happened. Yeah. I, like, I mean, oh. I think, <laughs> I, I mean, well, first of all, they had to uh, fucking... <laughs> They had to hire thousands of National Guard members and then screen all of them for sympathies for Trump, and, which is always a normal then, thing that you have to do in a, in your, in a normal country. And uh, then expel at least a dozen for being far-right extremists. Yeah. God, we weren't going to do a politics show. Um, I, 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 the fashion, all I say is the fascists are licking their wounds right now. They're certainly going to be back. They're certainly going to be around. Yeah. This doesn't mean that fascism is over and that the, uh, like radical right-wing white supremacist uh, factions yeah. of this country are going anywhere. Uh, they're still here. They're still going to be yes. doing the horrible shit that they do, and we will need to continue to be in the streets and vigilant about that. That's pretty much all I gotta say about it. This is a 50-minute episode of Cartridge God. Cinema Club. What are we doing? How did that happen? We haven't done uh, that in ages. The movie was good. The movie was good. The movie good, was Alex. good is the thing, yeah. and... Yeah, and that clone subplot was so much, and it was so little of the movie, but it took up so much time because it took up so much of my brain. But in uh, but a lesser movie that would that was directed by George Lucas would have removed it entirely and instead put an extended scene of them being in the clone factory, um, <laughs> which is completely unnecessary. Yeah, um, yeah one one it. last uh, fuck you to Donald Trump, um, mm -hmm. and now and my my longest fuck you ever to the current uh, administration. Yeah, and, and now um, and now we are in the era of fuck Joe Biden. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that's that's gotta be it. That's gotta be a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Holy fuck. <laughs>